like Leah, day four, wait on the Lord. Hi family, welcome to We Gotta Learn to Read, Rise Early and Decide, and this is day four of the Bible study plan, like Leah. My name is Cheyenne, your new big sister and host for the Like Leah journey through the Bible. I'm really glad that you've decided to join me on this journey through and past rejection. I really hope you enjoyed last session's Real Talk. For those of you just joining us for the first time today, welcome. And a special welcome to those of you who have returned once again. Welcome back. To all the listeners out there, may God bless you and may you trust and believe that he did not bring you this far to leave you. Now at this point in the plan, I hope that I've engaged you and drawn you into the story of Jacob, Rachel, and Leah. I hope you are on the edge of your seat, awaiting what happens next as I have been through this journey. For those of you who are not familiar with the story, please read Genesis 29 to get the starting point of their story. Or for those of you who would like for me to just tell you what happened, although I highly recommend you read it for yourself, please go back and listen to days one through three. There is so much to cover and so little time on this day to go over it again. We have been talking about dealing with rejection in one of the more infamous stories of rejection in the Old Testament about Jacob, Rachel, and Leah. To pick up where we left off, Leah has had a fourth son and named him Judah, which means, this time I will praise the Lord in Genesis 29, 35. Verse 35 ends with the Bible saying that Leah stopped giving birth. As we talked about in last session, in the midst of the rejection from her husband and mine from schools and jobs, once you come to the realization that God is your source and that he never rejected you, a form of peace comes into your life. A peace that you have to nurture because the enemy will come in and remind you of what you don't have. In Zechariah 4.10, the Bible says, Do not despise the small things, meaning that every blessing, no matter how small, is for your benefit, and you should praise the Lord despite what is happening in your life. You woke up this morning, you have food on your table, even if it's not what you want to eat, you have a job, even if you hate that job, you have a place to live, even if it's too small or you really want to get from under your parents' roof, you are stress-free and single even in the moments when you feel lonely and would love to have a person to do life with. There are so many others, and I know it sounds cliche, but it is true. But to talk about small things and small beginnings and not despising them, I want to switch gears a bit and talk about Rachel. Now, I know this is supposed to be about Leah, but I would be remiss if I did not mention Rachel in conjunction with Zachariah's words. If you remember what I mentioned on day two and three, that while Leah was having all these children, Rachel's womb was closed by God, according to Genesis 29:31. If you don't remember that conversation, no worries, family. We're about to go over it again. I said previously that there was a two-pronged approach with the situation of God opening Leah's womb and closing Rachel's. In that time period, a woman's value was measured not only by who and when she married, but also the number of children that she gave her husband, especially if they were sons. And if we're going to be completely honest, it is still very much like that today. Ask any woman of marrying age who is not married, who's been asked over a thousand times, when are you going to get married and get a boyfriend? Or a woman who's currently married, who's been asked another thousand times, when are you guys going to have children? Or a woman who's been married, has at least one child, and then asked another thousand times, when are you going to have more children? I know I've experienced this question, at least about why I'm single, in numerous occasions. But we'll get into that more later. The two-prong approach that I see that God is doing in their lives with the two sisters is he's trying to get them to humble themselves and praise God for the blessing he has given them. As we saw with Leah, the blessing she had was the honor of having four sons. And we already dug into her responses to her, those blessings. 
Rachel, on the other hand, was not blessed with children. However, she was blessed with a man, Jacob, who loved her unconditionally. And I'm sure 100% he doted on her, gave her whatever she desired. She should be, in theory, happy and content. If you recall what we talked about on day two. Yet that was not the case in Genesis chapter 30. It opens up with the Bible reminding us that Rachel has not given birth to any children for Jacob and that she became jealous of her sister Leah, you know, the one that has all the children but no love of her husband. Rachel continues on to say to Jacob in verse one, give me children or I will die. I honestly feel the exaggeration that Rachel used in this verse. I might've said something similar in regards to my single season. If I'm gonna be 100% honest, actually, I really did say that. Maybe more than one occasion, but don't judge me. Back to Rachel and Jacob. Jacob responds to her in verse two saying, am I God? Am I the one who kept you from having children and giving birth? Like I said in day two, that this was the point where Rachel should have humbled herself and prayed to God for the blessing of children. She should have cried out to him so that he can lift her sorrows, even despite the jealousy she had of her sister. Yet like most of us do, we try and fix the problem ourselves. We try to bless ourselves. Rachel's solution to her problem was to offer her maid Bilhah to Jacob as wife to have children on her behalf. And yes, you heard me right. Rachel gave her husband permission to sleep with another woman who was her handmaid so that she could have the children that she craved through her. If you remember what I said in day two, do not think that I forgot about that and let that ball drop and not pick it up for you. That this is the point in the story where it becomes a competition of surrogacy going on between the two sisters. In verse 3, Bilhah was given to Jacob too. And Jacob accepted, by the way. The Bible does not show him questioning it in verse 4. And in verse 5, Bilhah gives birth to a son. And in verse 6, Rachel names that son Dan. And you already know what I want to know, family. What does Dan mean? And his name, according to the Bible, means God has done the right thing for me. He has heard my voice and has given me a son. Hmm. Now... You and I both know that that decision to bring her maid into things and the way that Dan was conceived, I don't think God had anything to do with that decision. That was a choice that Rachel, Jacob, and even Bilhah made to bring forth a son. Now, a show of hands for those of us who have taken God's promises and did our own thing to fulfill them. I will raise two. And there's plenty of other people in the Bible that we are probably familiar with who've done the same thing. Family, trust and believe that this has become a recipe for disaster when we take matters into our own hands. In verse 7, Bilhah gives birth to another son. That in verse 8, Rachel names that son, and forgive me for butchering the name, Naphtali. Because she says, I have fought a hard fight with my sister and won. Now, what happened to acknowledging God for the miracle of this birth? Makes you wonder if Dan in her mind ever actually had anything to do with God in the first place. At this same time. Do not think Leah was just sitting there happy-go-lucky because her sister was finally giving birth. Oh, no, no, no. Even amongst the revelation that she got from where her source came from, which was God, that did not stop her or even cause her to hesitate to say, two can play that game. And remember in Genesis 29, 35, where the Bible said that she stopped having children? So Leah offers her maid, Zipla in verse 9 to Jacob's wife. And in verses 10 through 13, Zipla has two sons, and Leah names them Gad, which means good things have happened to me, and Asher, which means I am happy, for women will say that I am happy. These two sisters start a tit for tat that we will dig into some more later on. But am I the only one that is shook right now? 
Leah and Rachel are wilding out right now and I'm not even judging them because Lord knows if I point the finger at them, I got four more pointing right back at me. I just want us all to acknowledge the fact that when we start trying to bless ourselves, we get into a heap of mess that we have to find our way out of and definitely pray our way out of. The two sisters have been basically at war over who's the better wife, who has the most children, who has done the most to please their husband. To make matters worse, they even brought their maids into it. And the Bible doesn't say that the maids were against this plan, but this is indeed very messy. And Jacob doesn't make things any easier by just going along with it because again, the Bible doesn't say that he questioned anything. I have this image in my mind of what God is looking like or what he was thinking about in that moment, in that time. He probably had a face palm over what foolishness his kids have gotten themselves into. A legit shaking my head emoji over this whole turn of events. All I can say is, wow. If God don't know how to get my attention and call me out in the most gentlest of ways, <laughs> let me tell y'all something, family, about my attempts at trying to bless myself and take God out of the equation. And one prime example is in my love life and my attempts at going at it on my own. And I want to preface this by saying that many Christians will say, that online dating is not of God and you should wait on the Lord to give you the desires of your heart. And he that finds a wife finds a good thing. So wait to be found. Adam wasn't looking for his wife. God just brought Eve to him. Eve wasn't looking for her husband. She was presented to him and yada, 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 yada. And don't get me wrong. Those things that people have said are not, are not wrong. They bring true. Except I think I might have to disagree a little bit, a lot of it on the online dating point. Because I know of some happy Christian couples who met online through various dating sites and social media that will tell you that it was God who brought them together and that they are happy and content and you can see how God wrote their story even in the way that they met. God has been proven to show that even in the midst of our foolish choices and decisions that we are still blessed despite them. Just think about the aforementioned Rachel, Bilhah, Leah, and Zipla situation. So the question of the moment is, all right, Cheyenne, I hear you on that, but what did you do? To tell you the truth, family, I've done several online dating stints, and let me tell you, not one of them brought forth a relationship to brag about. Each time I started out hopeful, as you know, I'm hopeful romantic, that I could find the one, or at least the temporary someone, and when I finally decided to end my full-time job of partner seeking, because, because online dating is an additional full-time job, all I'm left with is a mess of emotions that I have to deal with. An emotional attachment to someone who doesn't really want anything to do with me and a heartache that I cost to myself by allowing the affection of whatever guy of the moment to define my level of self-esteem and even sometimes my self-worth. I leave the attempt feeling worthless and like something's wrong with me because I couldn't keep a man. Like Leah, no matter what I did, it was not enough. I was not enough because rest assured, in some cases, he ended up in a relationship with someone who was not me in the same very relationship that he had just told me he wasn't ready for. Somebody cue the eye roll. Part of me hated myself and how I looked. Maybe I'm not as attractive as I've been told. Maybe I should just give up this foolish idea of waiting until marriage and the society that changes sex partners like we change outfits. Maybe I should give in to the requests and demands and just do it. Everyone else is and it seems like they have the happiness that I'm looking for, so why not? Maybe I'm too fat or too skinny or too tall or too dark or too weird and there's even times when I don't even like me. So why would somebody else? These are the type of thoughts that would plague me at the end. Once I gave up trying online dating and I would be back to trying to keep my head above the water and the sea of rejection that I was 
felt like I was drowning in. Those were the times when I would cry myself to sleep and I could finally feel the presence of God saying, Hey, I've always been here for you if you would have just looked to me. And those would be the nights when I couldn't sleep and I would pray a prayer similar to the one that is about to follow. And I would say this prayer, sometimes heavy with sorrow, sometimes choking back tears, and it would go something like this. Dear God, what is wrong with me? Like seriously, why does this keep happening to me? Is it so wrong for me to want companionship and love? What am I doing that is so wrong that I'm not enough? Am I not worthy of the weight? Is my body just a plaything that anyone should have access to? I mean, everyone else is doing it and it seems that they have what I want. I should have had this by now. This relationship, this companionship. I mean, look at my biological clock. The time is ticking away and I'm not getting any younger. You said in Proverbs 18.22, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and gets favor from the Lord. Am I not favored enough to be found? In James 1.4, you said, Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. I know that in you all things are made new. Make me over again, Lord, because I just feel so alone and ashamed. I don't know how to be patient in this particular time of trouble. I'm not looking for another to define me and to fulfill me. That would be setting myself up for failure. And I don't like to fail, as you know. Like the good father that you are, I ask you to show me the way through this fog of loneliness and this that sea of rejection that I feel like is it's weighing me down. Please give me that perfect peace and affection as, as you did David. Walk with me through the shadow of rejection and grief so that I can come out victorious. I don't know why I'm in this cycle, but please continue to remember me. I believe that my spouse is out there and we are so close to meeting and making a mark on this world that cannot be erased. I know that you are good. And I believe you when you say in Philippians 4.19 that you will supply all my needs. Please just help me in my unbelief, like that father who cried out to you in Mark 9.24. I'm not saying that I need a spouse, but I would like one. I want one. And I know that that is part of your plan for me. Because if it wasn't, I wouldn't desire this so much. I want that family unit, Father. That family that you talk about in the Bible and that family that that and that family that gets to be built from the ground up. I'd like to fulfill your word and do as you said to be fruitful and multiply in Genesis 1 28, Genesis 9 1 and 7, and Leviticus 26 9. If you call forth the animals to do so and you care for them so diligently, I know you care for me even more so. You said that you are good to those who wait for you and look to you in Lamentations 3.25. I am looking to you for fulfillment and wholeness. I wait on you to give me the desires of my heart as long as they line up with yours. Show me the way, Jesus. I need you now more than ever. In your precious name. Amen. Why is it so hard to wait for things that should have happened, at least in my mind, a long time? Is it possible that in trying to rush the issue that I just continue to delay the plans that God had for me? That maybe you delayed the plans that God had for you? Why does it seem that we have an impact on those plans at all by the choices we make? I suppose it's a lesson that we all have to learn and how to cope with as well. 
especially when trying to heal from someone or something that hurt us, that caused this endless pool or this pool that actually seems endless rather of rejection. I like to think the rejection pool I wade through at times would be less deep if I had just waited. I mean, look at me now. Things are good, but they could have been that way a long time ago if I just learned that virtue called patience. Trust me, it's a day-by-day thing, and some days are easier than others to be patient, and to wait, and to fully trust God, and to rely on the Lord. If you want assistance in working on patience, tag me in Coach as your patience buddy. Please email me at riseearlyanddecide at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at riseearlyanddecide or on Twitter at riseearly underscore. Patience and waiting on the Lord is a continual process. Trust me when I say we have to work on this together. This is the end of day four. Thank you for continuing the journey with me in Leah's shoes, and I hope to see you soon. Rise early and decide to practice patience in the small stuff so that the big things don't seem as daunting. You should definitely check out Maverick City's song, Wait On You, to comfort you through the struggle of waiting on the Lord. May God bless you with the gift of patience and the tools to maintain it. Shalom.